This is what's great about sports. You play to win the game. I win here and I win there. Now what? This, this is what's great about sports. You, you play to win the game. All right, all right, all right. This is the Win Colin Podcast once again. Uh, this is that boy, Internet Space, uh, and I had my man sleep with me. Go ahead, talk to the people. Good people. It's a joy to be back with y'all. It always is. It truly is. And today we want to talk about a little bit of NBA stuff, man. We both love the NBA. Um, we are well aware that football season is still going, but that mess is boring sometimes. I'm just keeping it the most real. Um but what is very exciting is what we're seeing in the NBA. So what we wanted to kind of talk about is some some disappointing teams right now, some 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 contending teams. Oh my goodness, all types of things are happening to me live and in and in, in, in real color. Um so a lot of contending teams uh seem to be struggling a little bit, quite a few. Um so we wanted to talk about. Uh, Tyrone Lue has already been fired. We got firemen in the NFL and things like that. It's kind of, uh, it, it, it comes along with the territory. What contending NBA team coach has the most hot, hot seat? Or who's, what NBA coaches, coach of a contending team seat is the hottest? Maybe that's the best way to say it. Whatever. Um there's a lot of candidates, John. Who do you think are some of the candidates for the hot seat this early into the NBA season amongst our NBA coaches? Yeah, I, I think naturally the first one that comes to mind is the, are the Houston Rockets and, and Mike D'Antoni. Um, mm. You know, being that he's he's a, a tenured coach, um, but the the one and five start after going to the Western Conference Finals, deep into the Western Conference Finals. Um, you you know you have high expectations of from a team like that, especially with the the reigning MVP on that squad. And you know, I mean, this really shouldn't come as a surprise that they'd be struggling this way, being that they're not a defensively structured team. So as things change around the NBA, people are going to hone in on what you're capable of and incapable of. And def- stopping teams is a huge problem for them, and always has been. So if that's not going to be the primary focus of their uh, ball club, that starts with the head coach. Um, so that's, yeah, well, actually, strong unit on defense uh, last year, probably for the first time ever, and for a D'Antoni team, and lost a lot of pieces that could have brought better that that brought the defense element to the team. Um, oh yeah, well, you know, with with Ariza, Trevor yeah. Ariza being one of the main names that comes to mind for that, and just having more of a, it looks like you know, it looked like last year James Harden was a little bit more focused on that end. Um, Last thing I want to say before letting you go forward is I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I have a theory that James Harden was dead set on winning an MVP award, and I know he's hurt right now. Um, but before he got hurt, he looked like a guy who had accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And maybe that level of effort isn't ever going to come back. Um, and, and see, th- remember a couple of weeks ago, he was on my top five list. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason why, you know, it's, 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 I mean, if you can, if you can put your finger on, on something like that, if you identify uh, some traits like that in a, in a MVP candidate, and then that's no MV, MVP candidate, in my opinion. I mean, you mean to tell me he shot as low winning the, so a championship is not more important to him. I, I just can't rock with that. 
you know. I think it is. But like when I've seen him on the court this year, he looks a little he looked to me a little bit like disinterested or that he's already arrived. I don't know if it's that, but because the whole team kind of looks a little like they're in a lull, I think that they may have realized the same thing the Warriors did when they went 73 and 9 and and, and lost that the regular season is for you to set yourself up for the playoffs. If you're a true contender that is a championship team, then the regular season, of course, you want to win games. You want to position yourself well to be home, to be the home team, but you don't want to wear yourself out in the 82 part uh, portion of the season. You want to really save it for the tournament. That could be it as well. Um, but at the end of the day, D'Antoni being a guy who's been fired multiple times for kind of just peaking and the peaks never being championship years could be looking at um, quite another yet another situation where he gets a team to play at an incredibly high level gets a lot out of a lot of guys um, but sputters once the expectations come yeah so this should come this shouldn't come as a surprise they have a bunch of sellouts on that squad including their coach so uh, if he gets the if he gets the axe um, before midseason uh, there'd be no shock in my system about that. Uh, another okay. guy that I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, leaning toward um, debating as to whether their situation is working or not is, is Billy Donovan. Um, I know they still want to get things acclimated with uh, Paul George clearly in that offense. Um, certainly want to get all the pieces and ducks in a row. But as long as um, – the ball handler being that is Russell Westbrook is going to be uncoachable in, in, in the way that he appears to be, then um, maybe that coach doesn't have the kahunas to coach a player like him. Uh, That's my thing. And, and, and it's, it's like, it's not like Russell Westbrook has played for a lot of coaches. Um, so it's not like, you know, you have a lot of guys who, who this long string of bodies um, that just lay in the wake of Russell Westbrook's uncoachability. But, Scott Brooks, to me, was not a great coach. Billy Donovan, to me, is a good coach. I think if he stays in the NBA, he'll prove that elsewhere. Um, or he'll just go back to college and, and you know, dominate. just go back to being one of the best college coaches of our generation. Um, but, uh, man, at what point do the Oklahoma City Thunder start asking themselves if the problem is uh, them saddling themselves to Russell Westbrook? Uh, anybody who did listen to our, our top five, it's funny that these, you know, two players are, are, are popping up back to back. Yours was hard. Mine was uh, Russell Westbrook as far as our top top five most hated guys. Both of those guys was on our list. Um, but with that said, um, you know, you, my answer, the answer to that question to me is pretty clear. I don't think that you'll ever be able to really get anything great out of this team as long as Russell Westbrook is uncoachable as he is. It's not that Russell Westbrook can't be the best player on the best team in the league. It's that Russell Westbrook of, of, of this attitude with the nature that he has is probably going to continue to hold back whatever is uh, possible for a team. But then also I don't think Billy Donovan has that much, talent to work with I think the Thunder usually have an overabundance of talent that they don't even understand how to use or, or what the best what the best do with this year they just are bereft of talent I mean you look down their roster and it is just um, question mark after question mark it is literally like who is this guy and who is this guy and who is that guy um, 
it's 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 Paul George, Russell Westbrook. You have Schroeder. Um, you have Stephen Adams. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Grant is no one to speak of, but that's the only other guy that people actually know. Um, at some point, they get back Roberson, which is bricks, <laughs> which is eight rebounds, eight bricks. And some steals, steals, block shots. Two or three steals a night, night. Yeah, a couple, a couple blocks and stuff like that. But you know, uh, one of those glue pieces. But seriously, he doesn't do anything to help these guys actually on the offensive end whatsoever. Um, I think there is a way to get uh, to 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 actually get something out of him though, and I think that's playing him at the power forward. But this is just a team that kind of positions itself in a way where um, they don't allow that to be possible. It's just a really rinky dink team. I feel like it always has been. And without talent, it doesn't help them to be able to prop themselves up with a couple of wins that they probably wouldn't have got without Russell Westbrook hogging the ball. And that's that's my piece on it. No, probably, perhaps. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little harsh on uh, on Billy Donovan, but, you know, we're talking about a team. You, I don't think you are, but I think that – I think that maybe Russell Westbrook is such a coach eater that – Billy Donovan is, is is just the second of another one of his victims, and there will be a third and possibly a fourth, you know? Yeah, no, perhaps, you know, uh, and that's just how, um, you know, how, how much of a, I, don't know, I guess, a polarizing guy that, 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 um, that Russell Westbrook is in that organization. I mean, you know, they, per, you know, pretty much keep him around for the sake of loyalty. Uh, he's been perceived as more loyal. Uh, so he's rewarded with the treatment and, and the freedom that he has, you know. Um, but you know, yeah, the talent the talent is lacking on that that squad. Uh, they also had Nerlens Noel uh, added to their their roster. Had a good game a couple weeks ago or uh, last week. Uh, but you know, nothing to to, to ride home about. Uh, but this, mop. Team, this 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 yeah yeah mop exactly. Yeah, this <laughs> this team is has been projected to be a top five team in the West. And as much as people proclaim the West to be the more dominant conference we're talking about a team that um is i mean i suspect is going to underachieve uh especially if the projected so high uh so yeah that i feel scott brooks see i'm not excuse me scott brooks yeah i feel scott brooks seat is hot too with in washington but uh but yeah. as far as contending teams uh i have to throw billy donovan in there as well well I, those are definitely good options um and you mentioned a third, um, you know, off air per se, um, and Brett Brown, which I think is interesting. Um, not a name that actually popped in my head when I thought of that, but I, I, I do think that there is something to say for the, how the Clippers have started so far. Clippers, the Sixers have started so far. Um, I wouldn't say that they're falling below expectations all that bad. But I, I would say that there's they're definitely leaving leaving something to be desired, and that there is I think I think that that is a nice dark horse candidate because I think that there is something to maybe the idea that he did a really good job uh, exceeding expectations um, when we didn't expect much out of this team, um, getting through you know two years of not having Joel Embiid because he's an idiot. Um, just as much as I thought he – before I knew he was, if we actually want to go back and look at the Joel Embiid story, you know, he pretty much caused his own re of his foot injuries that caused him to miss two straight years. 
um, by constantly, yeah. you know, doing dumb things like 360 dunks and dunks through his leg in practice and just hurting himself again. So, um, but maybe Brett Brown is not going to be the guy to see this team to whatever glory is actually in front of them. But at the same time, they're also young. And I think sometimes they don't know exactly how to win. Um, what, what, what other reasons do you give uh, for Brett Brown possibly being one of the coaches on a hot seat so far? Well, this is what ownership does to coaches. You know, um, I'm trying to think offhand of a coach that built it. I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to put it to you. Though. I felt Randy Whitman for the Washington Wizards was uh, subjected. I'm not saying Randy Whitman was uh, a great coach for any stretch, but having watched the Wizards locally <laughs> and watched how they were a terrible team for the better part of 20 years, Randy Whitman, and even in that time when John Wall was hurt, they had a lot of injuries. They really had very little talent. Uh, and they fought hard against some really good competition, almost beat. I remember one season they started off 0-12. Well, within those 0-12, that 0-12 start, they came, they had very close games. They had an overtime loss by, I believe, one point where they thought that uh, Mark, uh, Martel Webster had a game-winning three against San Antonio. They ended up losing that game very close in overtime, lost some close games to uh, the Mavericks in the times that the Mavericks were championship contenders. So they were in the thick of things because Randy Whitman had changed the – dynamic of that team but I don't feel that he got enough time to really cultivate that team through the draft didn't get a chance to have a full healthy roster they gave him the axe and then brought um, uh, Scott Brooks in I kind of get the same feeling that this is likely to happen to Brett Brown where like you said he's not going to be able to see uh, he's not going to be able to see the process uh, to fruition and that would be so unfortunate because they've been patient with him to this point, having had his first couple of uh, first overall picks be hurt, um, three of them, in fact. And, and, you know, certainly they haven't been able to have any consistency over the course of uh, last five years or so. So they've hung in there with Brett Brown. But if they don't make a huge splash within the next two years, I say maybe this year this will definitely turn up the heat on that seat of Brett Brown. Well, that Randy Whitman comparison was perfect. I think that's exactly what comes to mind when I think of what would happen with could happen to Brett Brown. So that was just a great point. Um, I agree with uh, just about everything you said. So we would be remiss if we didn't actually bring up another guy, and that's Luke Walton, who I think it depends on who you're talking to as far as if the Lakers are contenders in the first place. But any team that has LeBron, we're going to look at as a team that uh, that team's expectations are going to rise. Um, so the expectation for the Lakers at the very least are that LeBron is so good and the young talent is so talented that they at least are able to upset their way into the Western Conference Finals. Um, what say you about the prospects of Luke Walton, Luke Walton losing his jobs with the Lakers struggling so far. You, you know, what's so funny. Like you just, you brought up all the points that, that, that exist in, in my opinion. LeBron James is that one guy that could determine whether you keep a job or not. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're an opposing coach or his coach, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's really difficult to say. Uh, I, I feel that this team with LeBron James showed that he could take an uh, inexperienced team, and uh, yanked them into the NBA Finals. 
Uh, and I feel that this team has a lot more talent than that Cleveland team last year and is and it's probably less likely to make any major trade moves this year. They do need to get better a little bit defensively. Anything can happen. Who knows? Uh, but I think it's, it's less likely that that will happen. And I'm certain being that they're 2-5 and five now doesn't look good right now, but I'm, I'm certain that they'll get into some, a rhythm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I hate to put, I hate to say not give an answer, but I, I can't state whether it's too early to say with this particular ball club whether Luke Walton's on the hot seat or not. I mean, he's, he's inherited a young team. Um, I think he's in the same position that Brett Brown was in about three years, three or four years ago. Um, so I would like to see Magic Johnson give him. I, I think Magic Johnson is going to be a little bit lenient with uh, with Luke Walton. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say you don't want to, if you're Magic Johnson, fire your coach in the kind of in the midst of the season on a LeBron James team that probably doesn't send the best message, but it's not like it hasn't happened uh, times in uh, Cleveland. So. Hmm. But still, you know, Cleveland kind of mismanaged uh, everything, a lot of things. So I think maybe that's probably still not something that you want to do. I mean, I'm not sure that that's something that LeBron has ever been really in favor of. Um, I think that there's been there was always a lot of talk that he did not um, really like where things were going. Um, and I'm drawing a major blank here with the coach uh, that they brought in before uh, before David, they you know, David Black. Uh, yeah, David Blatt, um, there was definitely some rumblings that LeBron kind of wanted that. But outside of that, I'm not sure um, just how much LeBron kind of sticks his nose in that. That may be something that's a little bit overblown um, because uh, people kind of expected LeBron to want Ty- Tyron Lue out. Um, and it seems like if you could believe anything that LeBron says, I mean, this is a guy who really, um, really does protect his image. And I don't think he wants that image. So who knows? But it doesn't seem like he ever had a real issue with Tyronn Lue. Like people people explained, if he did, he would probably been gone because I think that LeBron definitely carries that kind of uh, gravity. So uh, I, I say all that to say that I think that I think that they are. I agree. I think that they're better off staying the course here, um, and I think that any coach is going to be challenged with how to use all the pieces that the Lakers have. Even when I look at Boston right now, a team that we know is good, a team that we know is supremely talented, they have the look of a team that has too much. Right. Um, Don't it, want basketball. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, what do you do with your rotations? How do you keep everybody happy when you have that much talent? Boston right now looks like a team that needs a trade not to get better, but they could add by subtracting. I think that that's the same place that the, that the Lakers are in. Um, I think that they did good to add some veterans, um, but that only created a bigger log jam of how to, you know, properly use um, what they have in their young players, you know, how to properly use Lonzo ball. I mean, you throw in the dynamic of him now having to play with LeBron, um, but then you add on top of that, the dynamic of him, of him having to, having to also play with uh, other dominant ball handlers like Lance Stevenson, uh, Rondo. So I I think that they could kind of maybe make a few trades and actually become a better team. Um, And Luke Walton, I think, did a great job when he was in Golden State. And 
I feel like the thing that everybody says when it comes to go to state, well, of course, they go to state. They don't need to come. But it's like, come on, nobody wants to hear that, man. Like, um, <clears throat> I'm not one of those people that just believes that going to state is like super supremely talented. I think that all those guys have worked their way into great talent. But in reality, uh, Draymond Green was a second round pick for a reason. Um, Clay Thompson was a was a was a fringe lottery pick for a reason. Um, and that's because these guys needed to develop. What Golden State did better than everybody is develop that talent really, really well. Right. And I think that that's something that the Lakers could probably um, benefit from focusing on is that is is kind of trading away the log jams that they have at so many positions and focusing on development a little bit the best that they can while trying to appear like a contending team. I don't think that's impossible, um, but that's just a hard job for any coach. I don't think anybody comes in and just immediately figures that out. Right, and, and like I said, the, the safety net that you do have with that is LeBron James. Um, you know, so I, I don't think that his, job, his his seat is hot as of yet. Now, if they get into a situation where they're likely to finish under 500, uh, then we probably could have that discussion after the season's over. But um, I just don't see it. I, I, I really do see this team uh, getting their bearings and, and, and really uh, pressing forward and making a push for in the playoffs. So, uh, okay. I, I, you know, so I, I, don't, I think Luke Walton's job is safe. Uh, but it, it doesn't make sense to talk about it now. Yeah, they're not looking hot right now. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, but I don't think that, like, again, my management and, and general management is not going to – uh, they're not panicking right now. I don't. I don't believe right. that. Right. So let's end this conversation by going ahead and talking about the guy that I think we mo- both agree actually is. I mean, we didn't number the guys that we already talked about, but this would be the fifth guy that we talk about, and I think we both agree that this is the guy who actually has the highest seat of what it would be a quote unquote contender. Again, uh, like I said with the Lakers, I think that. Whether or not the Timberwolves are contenders or not uh, depends on who you speak to. They weren't contenders to me in my mind last year, um, so they certainly aren't this year. But I think that this is a team with lofty enough expectations that it's pretty easy to say that Tom Thibodeau looks like the guy most likely to lose his position. Yeah, and, and you know, because we're seeing the same thing that we saw in Chicago. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he overplays his good players. And, and, and sadly enough, he the, he's not cultivating the players that he should be cultivating in a defensive manner. So he's not holding those guys accountable uh, in, in, within his style of play, you know, which makes absolutely no sense to me. So I haven't seen where they've necessarily improved uh, to get out of what, the eight seed last year. Like, what have they done to get beyond that? Pick up Luau Deng? You know, I mean, those are just – I just feel that we're going to see the same situation that we saw in Chicago – and he's going – I mean, I, I really couldn't imagine, you know, being berated by uh, uh, Thibodeau so much as he does – you know, as he does his players. Uh, I just wouldn't be – I think he's going to wear his welcome out. Uh, it's very it's very reminiscent of a guy like uh, Larry Brown that just tends to wear his welcome yeah. out, you know, you know. And I think that's where we are with, with, with uh, Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, there, there is so much ego in coaching. Um, and the older I get, the more I begin to understand, the more I begin to understand the inner workings of professional level sports, the more I begin to realize that, one, there isn't any real per, uh, parameters for what makes a guy a head coach. Um, 
in the NFL, there isn't any real career path that gets you to become a GM. Or like, what's a the criteria? Coach. You know, right in the NBA, it's the same. And I think that I, I think that guys kind of cling to what they think the game should be, and they cling to it just too much. And I think that the coaches that fall victim to this may have success because, of course, they know basketball. They know more than I. They, they, they'll forget more about basketball than I ever know. But I think Thibodeau is one of those guys who clings to many archaic beliefs. And every single analytic, uh, which may not be the right, right word, but any study of, of, of professional sports will actually show you pretty clearly um, that you have a better chance of becoming a contending franchise and winning championships by hiring a, a coach that has never been in the position before rather than a retread coach. Um, in the NFL in particular, no coach that has won a Super Bowl with one team has ever won it with another. Um, so that means 100% of Super Bowls come from guys who have never been a head coach before. Um, and in the NBA, um, I can't say that it's the same because I haven't actually, you know, um, researched that first. And I know it's not, matter of fact, because, you know, we have, uh, you know, you have uh, Phil Jackson. But I think Thibodeau is one of those guys where it's kind of like we, we got to see that it's not going to work with a guy like him. And we shouldn't be surprised that it's not working in a new location. Is he a good coach? Yeah. Yes. Is, is he the guy? No. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he—he, he, I mean, he, his resume included being assistant coach on the championship team with Boston. So, right. I mean, yeah, that—that—that that, that, that looks damn good in an interview with the general manager. <laughs> you know, what I'm right. Saying? So, I, you, and he had some moderate success. Uh, I believe he had two sixty win seasons or one two sixty win seasons with Chicago. Uh, they look really good, really strong. Just look undermanned, and certainly he likes to play his his top talent. You know, forty yeah, plus that, minutes a game. You know, LeBron James minutes. You know, that's, um, that's my issue because, like you said, we know that he has a resume. Uh, it's like Bill Belichick before he became what he is as a head coach had the resume of winning championships as a defensive coordinator of the Giants. Yeah. Um, so you know, Thibodeau came in because I think he's a similar guy to Belichick in his stubbornness and just uh, his belief in his in his system and in his ways and the fact that he's defensive minded. Um, but on the basketball court, but at the at the end of the day, we got to see what this guy's philosophy of basketball looks like when he's the when he's the head guy. And I don't think that there was any reason to believe that he was any more than a guy to kind of get better out of some of the young talent on on uh, on the Timberwolves. But he wasn't going to be the guy to go over the top because I think he has archaic views. You've mentioned a few yeah. of them. And then another one is bringing in. Um, Luau Dang just stamped him as that coach that believes that, you know, adding veterans who do not help you in the court but help you in the locker room helps your team. But it it doesn't. It, well, it does. And I don't want to take that away from him, but it's not going to help this team win a championship. Well, no, yeah, yeah, when I say it doesn't, I mean it doesn't help this team. Yeah, okay. I mean, definitely, nothing about this team spells championship. Nothing about this. Right. This team barely spells playoff berth. You know what I'm saying? So, right. I, to to bring you look, I think in, in this situation when you're talking about playing, you know, competing in the, in the you you brought up a very good point about uh, last week or so was it last week a couple of weeks ago about 
the difference between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. If you take a superstar out of the Western Conference and put him in the Eastern Conference, he's likely to dominate in a different fashion. DeMar DeRozan, in exchange for Kawhi Leonard, does not Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan does not present the same impact as a Kawhi Leonard. So, and that's an all-star from the Eastern Conference. And I feel that in a situation where you have such, such uh, grand talent in the Western Conference, your objective should be to get younger and more athletic. And you didn't you didn't get the best out of your offseason if you didn't seek those things. And, uh-huh. you know, getting Luau Deng for his experience, sure. You know, but you need talent that can do things on the floor and compete with championship-level right. teams. You know, and because that stuff does help. You see what David West kind of did for the Warriors. Absolutely. I think that was, no a big deal. that was a team that already had some good leadership, but right. probably not the best because I don't, I'm not sure that Draymond Green is, you know, the best leader in general. I think that, I think that fans and media, we see a guy that's willing to, that, that yells and kind of gets in the face of teammates. We've kind of called that leader. I think that that could be like motivator. Uh, I think that that's somebody that hold, holds people accountable, uh, things of that nature. But David West, I think, is was more of a leader. So we Absolutely. wouldn't have been able to actually see it all the time. But I think that when someone can lead you on and off the court, I think that's pretty important. Um, there's also guys who do it just off of the court. But I think you have to be a really, really good team for you to decide to to focus on that for, yeah. for what you do on free agency. And, and, and I think that that's part of the point that you're making. That's, that's dead on. Uh, that was not a luxury that, that the Timberwolves in particular had. Um, yeah, there's only but so many roster spots. And if right. you want to, if you want to, if you want to, a team that is trying to get in the thick of things, veteran leadership was not going to put them over the top at this moment. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, you know, I, I think that was just bad timing on, on that particular. If Cat was more developed, if, if Wiggins was an all star, if Butler was still. Uh, engage with the team uh, construction. If, if 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 last year, if if uh, we were, we were able to see um, Derrick Rose complete a full season as he's been playing recently, then we'd be say, okay, then the Luau Dang situation makes sense. But that's a lot of ifs, and ifs are not what win ball games. You know what I'm saying? And they certainly don't win championships. So that, that was, I think Thibodeau is on his way out. Uh, uh, it would be nice to see a fresh idea, fresh ideals uh, incorporated into this team scheme. Get the most out of your talent. You know, neither one of us are big on Cat, but he does have talent. And why not yeah. get the most out of him? Why not cultivate him? Why not develop him? As, and, like, you, you brought up a very good point. I, you know, you and I have spoke many a times off, uh, off the podcast about uh, the whole construction of Golden State from uh, ownership on down. It's a very um, – open-minded approach to ownership and development is the cornerstone of that particular franchise. It's huge. Uh-huh. It's important. It's important in sports, period. The development league is uh, the most notable in all professional, American professional sports. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. That should tell you how important it is to develop players and get them on the basketball uh, court and be as productive as, as soon as possible. Since, since Durant has been there, I've seen it. I mean, you see Damian Jones starting at center this year. This is a guy that, you know, I felt like was very talented. I had been keeping tabs on his um, on his summer leagues, on his uh, G League games, um, D League when it was that. Um, so I actually, being a fan, thought I saw so much potential and so much stuff. I thought he was 
already ready. I, there was many a games last season where I would just hope and wish and pray that the that the Warriors would would call Damian Jones up and um, you know start to give you know some of JaVale's minutes and and Pachulia's minutes to Damian Jones, but. You know, they were steadfast and in, in, in continuing to develop the guy. And he's not, you know, setting the world on fire right now at the starting center spot for the Warriors, but he is definitely holding his own. He's bringing a lot of the same things that JaVale McGee brought um, with just the rim running, um, you know, catching the oops and and, and, and defending the rim um, and just using his, his size and the athleticism to just be disruptive. And this, they wouldn't have got this out of Damian Jones two years ago or so. So they, and, and they put real good time into developing this guy. So it is something that I've began to see, you know, um, from, you know, just being a Durant fan and, and watching what's going on there. So uh, I think the Timberwolves are doing a lot of things wrong. And I think one of the first things that they did wrong was not really, I can't say Tibbs was a bad hire in general because he is a guy that can, he I think he did elevate the Wolves in some senses but you know similar to the conversation that we're having about guys like Brett Brown who we know are like good coaches they're just the kind of guys who aren't going to be the guys to, to see it through and what the NBA needs and all professional sports need is to just continue to embrace new ideas you know there's just always those people who don't want to see the guard change in the NFL is the people who who get mad that they're trying to take the head out of the game as if it's fun to watch people, you know, get concussions and froth at the mouth for 15 minutes every time they get hit. Um, and in the NBA, it was people who were saying you could never win as a jump shooting team. Paradigms deserve to shift, and I would love to see them shift quickly, and that can't happen when guys like, you know, Thibodeau keep jobs for too long at the end of the day. No, I agree. I, and it's just, it's just a, one more point. Uh I think you just. I think the 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 main thing when we talk about Thibodeau has been you you stated already is just the fresh idea concept also has to work in conjunction with seeking athletic talent. I mean that we're in that day and age where everybody is pretty athletic now, you know. So you have to you have to kind of go with those trends. Um, and and look, it's I'm not saying it's, it's it's the easiest thing to. I don't think the Spurs are overly athletic. Uh, so you know, we can say Popovich is probably the the one guy that kind of gets away from, you know, he gets away from that that particular concept. But uh, for the, the the majority of the the league, the best players are tend to be the most athletic in this day and age. So why not jump yeah. on board and seek seek to advance in that way? Because um, you you know, I hate to break it to Thibodeau, but uh, the Wolves ain't that good. So yeah, you're right. You might, you might need to change something. You're right. And last thing I'll say is just to piggyback on that, even with Popovich, uh, I feel like Kawhi sent a, a little bit of a slight at him when he was kind of saying that his uh, Nick Nurse, his his coach over there in, in Toronto, listens to his players and he appreciates that. It kind of sounded like he was saying, you know, compared to Pop, who doesn't. But the thing that to appreciate about Pop, even on that point that you're making, is that even when 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 paradigm shifts and things change, he always changes with it. Greg Popovich was using the corner three, um, and you know when a lot of teams weren't. Um, right. Greg Popovich began to shoot a little bit more threes when the league wasn't. Then he kind of went back to no threes when the league was was going into threes, and it didn't take him about more than about a year to decide. Okay. Now we're going to go two threes. And we've actually seen the Spurs 
evolved from a defensive-minded team to a team that in the last couple of years before losing Kawhi could outscore you, even though they were horrible on defense. And we're even seeing them now built around DeMar DeRozan, which probably wasn't what they wanted to be. But what DeRozan is doing in, 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 in San Antonio shows that Popovich is letting DeRozan um, is using DeRozan's strengths to, 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 to the, uh, for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on the word, but he's, he's using DeRozan's strengths to help the team be better. He's not shackling him. He's not saying, Hey, less, hey, I want hey, less of, less of yeah. that. He's letting him be him. And, 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 and yeah. it, you know, d- just to put one last nail in Tibbs' coffin, if we haven't already said it enough, that's that's just not the kind of guy he is. No, nah, he's not a flexible-minded guy. And you know not what? If it wasn't – if he was – there's one guy. He, he could easily be mop of the week or mop of the early part of the season. But we we agreed on uh, a mop of the week out of – mop of the week out of – mop of the week out of the NFL. Who's this guy? It's Jameis Winston, but hey, my man Sleek, I'm sorry. I'm calling the audible. <laughs> Oklahoma, Reggie, 13. 17 is the mic. Oops, a 17 would never be a mic. 55 is the mic. Um, audible. Listen. John Harbaugh is the map of the week, man. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going selfish with this one as a as a Ravens fan. John Harbaugh, you are the mop of the week. I'm gonna keep it the most real. I was doing something and I wasn't able to watch the game live. But one thing I was that I did watch immediately was the post game interview where John Harbaugh told me for the second straight week that his team was out coached. You got to respect the coach that's able to say, you know, we got outplayed and we got out coached. Hey, I didn't have the guys prepared like they should have been. You got to respect the coach that does that. By no means do I think that the hard, that the hard bars can't coach. Because I, 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 I put him and his brother together. They're really, really good coaches. John Harbaugh, once he gets fired from the Ravens, I don't know if he stays in the NFL. If he goes to, the co- to college, he's going to turn some program that nobody never knew into a powerhouse possibly, like, his, like how his brother has turned Michigan back around and stuff like that. The Harbaugh is no football I got so much respect for these guys and things like that. But like the same way we talk about Tibbs, you're talking about a guy that the game is passing by. Uh, John Harbaugh's philosophy of how football should be played is just not going to work in the NFL. He'll find a college where he's able to play super smash mouth football and it'll work because it can work in college. And he's a motivator. So he'll be able to sit down with parents and get them to um, be all in on their son coming to his program. He'll get five stars and four stars. He'll do that. Hope maybe, maybe John Harbaugh gets fired and becomes the head coach of uh, Maryland because DJ Durkin damn sure can't stay. That would be great. I would love to see John Harbaugh stay in town. But the thing is, he got to get the hell up out of Baltimore. Um, once again, coach, um, it's just like this. This is the crazy thing with the Baltimore Ravens, right? The offense is one of the least inventive offenses in the world. You have a rotation of tight ends that's one of the best in the league, right? How about this for a concept? You put three tight ends on the field with your stable of tight ends that can all run block, at least decently, and they can all catch the ball, John Harbaugh. 
you make defenses have to guess what you're about to do because you could run the ball or you could throw the ball. You could use middle screens. You'd be able to create mismatches by, you know, actually uh, splitting some of your tight ends out or something like that. There are so many different things that you can do to make the defense adjust to you. But that doesn't happen. For the second straight week, I'm hearing John Harbaugh, amongst other players and coaches, say, hey, you know, teams are watching us and they've adjusted to what we've done. All you've done is throw the deep ball to John Brown. So you're telling me that now that teams are using uh, more cover to coverage like they used to back in the day when we had Torrey Smith and Jacoby Jones streaming up the field, you're telling me that about three years later, teams adjust to you by using cover two and, 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 and focusing on John Brown with a safety over top and you still haven't figured out how to adjust to that? Are you, is that what you're telling me, John Harbaugh? Are you telling me that offense, that offense means that you run a set amount of plays and that you can't run any other plays out of that playbook except for the ones that you went into the week with? Are you telling me that in training camp that all you do is install the same 15 plays to run every game? Is that what you're telling me? John Harbaugh, you're the mop of the week. You can't keep getting out coats. As, as valiant as it, as it is to admit it, is something wrong with it. The Ravens are now 4-4. Four four. They're probably in the year round 8-8. Eight and eight. This is a team that probably should have been 2-14, 3-13 in the last couple of years, which is one of the things that you that's, – that's the crazy thing. You have to credit John Harbaugh for the fact that this team isn't horrible. But I'm, me and every other Raven fan are tired of them being a middle-of-the-pack team, and you are the reason why you're a middle-of-the-pack team kind of coach you know how to make a team good but you have no idea what to do to make them great especially in the offensive side of the ball I know I hijacked this I know I called it audible but damn it it was deserving John <laughs> Harbaugh next year's coach of the Maryland Terrapins you're the map of the week <laughs> well you heard it first wouldn't uh, it be crazy that would be really good for, for Maryland though like really yeah, that probably would be. You know, he also wouldn't have to sell his house. Right, right. So, and I, I would love for him to stay in Maryland. It seems like he's really kind of like just blended in. Um, he, I mean, he seems like he's just a good guy, but just I'm, I'm so it's like he's making me not want to watch my team anymore. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm like really sick of it. Um, it's it, the kind it of offense that make him throw up. I mean, it just goes to show you, just like, you know, we talk about pro sports every week. Uh, it's hard to stay at a certain level for long. It's not for long, right? That's what the NFL stands for, right? You know, so yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's, very, it's very difficult to, to be a prominent figure for extended periods of time. Um, right. You know, you end up in the Hall of Fame when you do. Yep. Which is why we all have, which we all, well, that's why we all admit whether we are a fan of the team or not that what the Patriots do is pretty amazing. But, yeah, man, John Harbaugh, Mop of the Week, you know, Thibodeau, hot Jamie. seat of the week. <laughs> we 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 broke it all down for you guys. So with that being said, we're signing off. This is Internet Space. This is Sleep. Peace out.